She's you need to go to a hospital so infections. fast. Yeah. 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 These liquids are getting in all your holes. Hey, y'all. Welcome to week five of Some Like It's Scary, um, a weekly podcast where two pals share their respective love for rom-coms and horror movies. Um, I'm your host, Kelly. And I'm Olivia. And you'll probably notice our name is different. So um, (laughs) um, I'll show you mine is already the name of a podcast. And so we went ahead and changed our name. Y'all should definitely check out their podcast. It's on Spotify and everything. It's two friends and one of them shares movies with the other and the other friend shares like video games. And so one of them's really into video games. One of them's really into movies and they share them back and forth. Um, So uh, yeah, check out their podcast and so our new name, one that we cannot find a podcast that has the name of, so boom, <laughs> it's ours. Yeah. Um, you heard it here, is uh, Some Like It Scary, uh, which was Olivia's idea. Um, it comes from Some Like It Hot? <laughs> yes. Some Like It Hot question mark? Yes, Some Like It Hot. <laughs> which I, as you can probably tell, have not seen. Um, so yeah, Some Like It's Gary is our new name. So yeah. Uh, so you'll notice that in the first four, episodes, it still has the old name. We made a note in the show notes, but uh, yeah, moving forward, it's some like it's scary. Uh, so this week, our <laughs> episode is girls talking to girls. Okay. It's all about ladies who are traveling who are wearing fun outfits. Um, Jet setters. <laughs> trendsetters um going on adventures together and it's a lot of women who are talking to each other um this episode is gonna pass the Bechtel test so fucking hard um so the our uh rom-coms it was also a double feature week it's like a double feature double feature so we have the sister (laughs) traveling pants one and two and then we have the descent one and two so we're going to be talking about them as if they are each just one giant movie because honestly if you watch them back to back they kind of are and that's 100 percent what we did we watched them back (laughs) to back to back to back all in one day after we watched roadhouse which i don't even i don't even know where roadhouse would go in the categories if like I don't think an argument could be made. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I don't think an argument could be made for either of them, but I could talk about Roadhouse all day. So people fuck in it and people get murdered in it. So, I mean, I think we could (laughs) shove it into one category if we really wanted to. And there were a couple (laughs) jump scares. So depending on who you ask, I guess it could be a horror movie too, but we're not here to talk about Roadhouse, but also we have to talk about this movie that we watched. (laughs) <laughs> the other day so kelly recommended kelly came over and recommended that we watch what was described to me as an erotic thriller okay based on my memory it was it was it was neither of those things and it <laughs> it was i was not prepared for what i thought the movie was going to be and also what it actually truly was. So the movie is called Hush. And I'm going to let Kelly give you a, a synopsis before I just start firing off my thoughts. Because we have not talked about it since we watched it. We just watched it and we're like, anyways, do you want to watch something else? After we watched The Color of Friendship, mind you. Okay, so we were already on a roller coaster of emotions when we started watching 
This movie. I needed to revisit The Color of Friendship, okay? I saw a clip of it on TikTok and I was like, oh my God, right. That movie did exist. And I wanted to know what conversations Disney was having about race in the year 2000, a quarter of a century ago. So I needed to know that. And you know what? I'm not prepared at this time to talk about what I think about that movie. But the movie Hush, which we watched right after, which I remember watching this movie so much as a kid. And I, you know what? We're not going to unpack it. But in my memory, this movie was an erotic thriller. Okay. And then we watched it and it wasn't. Um, But the movie is about uh, this character, Helen, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, who has a hot boyfriend who like rides horses and has some kind of job with a briefcase. We don't know doesn't matter and she goes to his like big rich guy farm and his mom is jessica lang and they kiss on the mouth okay it's weird she can't stop kissing her son on the mouth and she can't stop stroking everybody's face and the movie is about gwyneth paltrow basically just uh, getting bullied and um harassed by the the wildest boy mom that you've ever met both felt like i was watching rosemary's baby and like a Oedipus complex and some perverts fantasy like all together and probably someone who yeah. thought this was like cinema like this was a film this you had know layers some of the mommy guys yes. you know some of the mommy guys love this movie oh it was <laughs> it was a weird movie yeah there were multiple mouth kissing scenes um jessica lang spoiler alert was going to kill Gwyneth Paltrow and raise her grandchild with her son and I was like what Uh how's that even gonna work like fine let's say you kill Gwyneth Paltrow you do whatever you're gonna do and let's say your weirdo son is on board with it how are you going to explain for the rest of this child's upbringing although I don't know how Jessica Lange is supposed to be in this film so maybe she was expecting to not live that long but anyways it's just like what was the plan after you know like after you do the crime (laughs) What of the time? Like, what of the time after the crime? Like, I think <laughs> he just wanted to play mommy and daddy with her son, apparently. And there was 100% a moment where I thought that Jessica Lange's character was going to fully finger bang an old woman in a sauna. But, like, <laughs> hatefully. There, I can't give you more context than that without really spending this whole <laughs> episode talking about this dumb movie. But... There was a moment where I didn't know if Jessica Lange was going to murder this old woman or if she was going to just go knuckle deep into her. Like, I had no idea what was about to happen. And then nothing really happened in the movie, erotically. You know what I mean? Like, there was, what, one sex scene? Maybe two? Yeah, there were there were two sex scenes earlier on. And then, unfortunately, the rest of it was either <laughs> inappropriate or... Um, complicated yeah him and jessica lang had more chemistry than him and gwen paltrow and he was supposed to have impregnated gwen paltrow okay okay <laughs> okay sure jan <laughs> sure sure jan so when we weren't watching roadhouse the color of friendship or hush <laughs> we were going on grand adventures with ladies who talk to other ladies and First, we're going to put on a pair of jeans that fits both of us. Um, and we're going to talk about the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. One and two. Loved these movies as a youth. I still love them as an adult. <laughs> I read the books as a kid. Loved them. I for sure was that kid that was like the power of friendship. That is 
all that you need. You know, Sex in the City, if I would have been more age appropriate to be watching it when it was on, would have gotten me. You know what I mean? That whole like, yeah. <laughs> the men are fine, but friendships forever, like that shit. Where are you gobbled it up. Yes, I still feel that way, obviously. But as a youth, I was like, oh yeah, this definitely, this is it. This is it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if I watched it in theaters. I wouldn't be surprised if I, if I did as a kid, I don't remember, but I, it, this was a heavy rotation movie for me. What about you? Mm-hmm. Like how, how often did you watch this as a kid? I definitely watched these a lot. I think I'm, I think I had one of them on DVD, but they also just came on TV like a lot. Like I'm pretty sure ABC yeah. family played this shit back to back all the time. So, and I, I had to keep watching them cause I was obsessed with Alexis Bledel. Cause I loved that tuck everlasting movie so much. <laughs> I had never watched that until I watched it with you. And I was like, huh, that was just another tragic romance can't work out movie that I was watching on repeat when I was seven or whatever um (laughs) so sad and then I was looking over to see if I still have it I don't I guess one at at one point I got rid of it oh what a mistake um so uh yeah I had definitely seen um both movies a lot growing up I I, especially as a baby queer, I think was just really excited to see, even though I didn't like really fully acknowledge like my sexuality yet, like as a teen, I think that I just really gravitated towards stories that centered on women's relationships with each other. And I really just liked, you know, girls talking to girls and like supporting each other and whatever. So I loved these movies. And I also liked like the different romance stories that were in it. But I liked that like some of the stories, like it's they weren't all romance, right? Like they were lots of different things that they were going through. But yeah, I was definitely obsessed with them. Yeah. I had a crush on every single one of them. Everybody in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Same pretty much. Yeah. 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 Pretty much everybody. Everyone who was like 15 to 30 in these yes. movies I was in. yeah was in our age range because I don't know time. how old that Greek man was he could have been 20 or he could have been 30 I don't know I know we're gonna talk about it but like what the okay I know we're gonna get into it so the first movie came out in 2005 and then the sequel came out in 2008 I want to say um and the books came out a couple years before that I'm pretty sure there are more books though after the first two I am glad they yeah, didn't like continue you know, because I think that would have been difficult to keep them going. If they if they remade it as like a series, would you be interested in that? It depends on who they put in it, you know, mm-hmm. if it's them. OK, I'm going to watch it for nostalgia. If it's other people, I kind of hope that it's. Yeah, like if it was like re like they like it was like oh, a like re- re- like a, or a reboot or whatever. Yeah, sure. I'll watch it. Yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah. Would you watch it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Reboots do often get me, even if I don't like them, I still like have to watch them. Yeah. That at least the saying. first one. I hate those Jurassic World movies, but I did at least go see the first one because I was like, I gotta know if it'll be as good as the originals. See, yeah, I have to watch those with you. <laughs> well, the Jurassic World movies are bullshit. Women wear heels when they're running through the mud. I do remember that. I do remember that, yes. Ugh. Quite foolish. Laura Dern, I I bet I bet she's ashamed of them. Actually, she's probably not because she was in one of those movies. But like that character that she played would not have been okay with that. I've only seen those movies once. I need to rewatch those. (laughs) We'll revisit that. 
anyways okay okay who i know we talked about this uh offline when we were fucking binge watching these who did you identify most with of the four and who do you now identify the most with well okay so to start I related least to Bridget I was not confident or extroverted enough to be anywhere near that and I was just like that's not no she made me nervous um she would have been the kind of girl who would have been my friend and probably also bullied me um like (laughs) she wasn't the one I connected to though I think I probably I think I probably related to Carmen and Lena the most. Yeah. I feel like looking back, I don't know if I. In the first one. In the first one. Yeah. I don't yeah we're just talking Carmen first one. one. But yeah, the first one. I'm sure as a, as a youth, if you would have asked me when I was like watching it all the time, like, who do I identify with? My brain would, would have thought Bridget. of who do you like the most? Yeah. And I would have said Bridget because of course she played the sports and I played the sports. And so I was yeah. like, well, that, that makes sense. Um, she's a soccer girl she's tall yeah I obviously had a huge crush on her I had a huge crush on Carmen too um but in reality I would have related the most to Carmen just in terms of like her Mm -hmm. uh I guess not that her entire plot is about her body everyone else makes the plot about her body (laughs) you know what I mean um so I feel like I would have connected with that as well I probably connected the most to Lena because I was a lot more shy when I was younger and, um, very embarrassed and uncomfortable with my body. (laughs) No, hate it. Um, so like, you know, it would have also been very brave for me to have jumped in the water in public with my, my stomach showing. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Probably same, same for me too. It's not that I was like wearing dresses. I like, you know, I was, I was mostly wearing like, you know, shorts and a t-shirt as a kid, but it was more just that like the like uncomfortableness and like it being difficult to like be open about things. Cause you're like, Oh, how embarrassing I have feelings to probably keep those to myself. I'm going to go sit outside and draw by myself. Oh, and if you have not watched these movies, the whole basis of this movie is these four friends are like childhood friends and they are in high school now, what, like going into junior year, going into senior year? I think they're going into their senior year. Okay. And so they're going to be separated for the whole summer. They're all going to different places. And right before they go their separate ways for the summer, they go to some type of like thrift store and find a... (laughs) feel silly baby they find a pair of jeans at this thrift store that pair magic- flare flare <laughs> denim jeans flare denim jeans literally nothing um notice like notable about these jeans they're just random jeans but they all seem to fit them and of course for good measure because it's the early 2000s they put america Ferrera in this movie and frame her as like the fat friend and if you I'm going to need you to pause this episode right now, pull up Google, type in America Ferreira, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, and look at what her body looks like. She is designated as the fat character. Yeah. And then people wonder why millennials have weird shit going on with our bodies and Mm -hmm. diet culture and everything. And it's like, look at what we have representing for us at like 13 years old. Um, Yeah. So these jeans fit all four of them magically, just perfect. And they decide that this must be, these jeans must be sent around the world to the four of them throughout the summer, which seems like not only risky, that you could potentially lose these jeans in transit, 
but that's a lot of fucking money. I can't yeah. imagine because some of these, two, is it two of, at least two of them are out of the U.S. And so it's just like, yeah, who the, there's no way that fucking Tibby, one of the main characters who's working at like a Target, is that much disposable income that they can just send off these jeans all the to time. fucking Greece or Mexico? Yeah, and I can't remember, but at some point, I'm wondering if Lena or Bridget sent to each other. I remember that they did in the second one, but I'm trying to remember if it went. I think, guess it was the same order. So yeah, I think it goes Bridget, then Lena, maybe. I can't remember. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, like, can you imagine shipping something from Mexico to Greece? Okay, how much did that cost? Well, I don't know. Maybe, well, Mexico's further, so maybe it's, whatever. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to try to imagine a map in my head You right don't now. work for the postal service. If you yeah. do, let us know how much that would cost. Let it, yeah, let us know which, which, which destination to destination would have been the most expensive. Yeah. Because if they're doing this across a whole summer, assuming it's like a three month long summer, and there's and they keep it for a week at a time, right, or two weeks? I only get I only get a week with these fucking jeans, and I have to mail. I don't remember. I don't remember. Even even two weeks seems like I don't know. That's uh, anyways. We're not doing the math on this. That's what they're doing. They're sending these jeans around the world, (laughs) and just talking to each other, and sometimes not talking to each other. And when they don't talk to each other, things happen. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Kelly's yeah. probably going to most likely order <laughs> the first two sisters of the family fan book. I might. I might also see if they have like, I might also try like an audio book because I feel like it might be nice as an audio book because I wonder if they'll do like different, like surely they'll do a different voice actress for like each of the four girls. Hopefully. Maybe not, but it would be nice if they did because then it might be kind of satisfying to listen to it as an audio book. Who knows? But I'm, I'm going to ponder. I'm going to yeah. see. I'm going to look because I'm like, mm, wouldn't that feel like a nice warm hug just to just to read the Sister of the Traveling Pants books? It would, especially. I, I, I never read them. I haven't read them in forever, but rereading, okay, not that, not that rereading Twilight feels like a warm hug, but rereading a series that you read as a kid uh, is fun, I think, whether you liked it now or not. I think it's just interesting to go back to be like, huh, that's what I was into as a, a young teen. Okay. Yeah. So we talked about the first Sisterhood, <laughs> Sisterhood Part One, Sisterhood Part Two. They are now going into the summer after their freshman year of college. And two years later. Yes. And they are finding it difficult to stay in touch during school. And the girls, but especially Carmen, were banking on everyone being home for the summer. And Carmen finds out that everyone else has plans for the summer. And so they all are, again, going to go their separate ways for the entire summer and so they're going to share the pants <laughs> that sounds so silly they're going to share the pants they're going to send the pants that have now been like written on and bedazzled and who mm-hmm. knows if they have been washed they probably have been just there's a probably a, a weird seasoning on them now at this point i really um, hope they just mean not to machine wash them and that they hand wash them I really just hope that that's what it means so they don't get all busted up because there surely there's no way someone would wear a pair of jeans for two years and not wash it. I don't know. Teens are gross. Teens are gross though, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and I say that as a former teen. <laughs> even, like, even like Lena, she seems like she would not, like her that's character seems she would not enjoy wearing dirty pants. Yeah. So maybe every time she has them, she's like, I'm hand washing them. I don't care what they yeah. say. Yeah, so maybe they all just bank on Lena 
being grossed out enough to watch. They them. probably would. Probably. And Lena would be like, it's fine. I was going to do it anyway. And it's like, but you shouldn't have to. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> um, so that's the second one. And honestly, watching them back to back now, and it's been a couple of years since I've watched both of these. I know that the first one has much more nostalgia factor for me, but I like the second one. I don't Same. know if it's because they were actually full adults at this point or um, probably the fact that the relationship with Lena and Costas didn't creep me out, I guess, as much in the second <laughs> one as it did in the first one. And it like, wasn't well, with that adult man. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, that was disgusting. We'll circle back. We'll circle back. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I feel like it went a little deeper in the second one. Yeah, because the first one it's just like Tibby is learning not to be basically such an asshole. That's kind of like her storyline is to, you know, to like have a little more empathy and um to like open herself up a little more and also to do something that's separate from her friends. Cause like, you know, in the first one, Tibby's the one that's like a sourpuss because her friends aren't in town. And then in the second one, it's Carmen who's like, fuck, I guess we all have to go do something this summer. And so yeah, Tibby has just such a bummer of a storyline she makes a friend who has to die and then you know Carmen her storyline is pretty much standing up to her dad which is an important thing for sure but like you know it's basically just like you need to have a big conversation with your dad and then um Lena I feel like Lena Lena's is a little more like she has a little more there because it's like she you know she's wearing pants now and she's in another country and she's I guess making out with some man in Greece and like learn like meeting all of this family and you know like having to deal with some kind of weird Romeo and Juliet shit and like you know she like sobs by the water and I'm just like oh my god like so much going on um yeah and then of course Bridget you know she plays soccer and has sex with an adult in the sand I'm assuming just disgusting like on top of her having depression afterwards she had a yeast infection (laughs) <laughs> there's there's no way there's no way she didn't I, I agree I just was <laughs> caught off guard no I fully agree I think that the, uh, the yeasty boys were in town yeah they were they were definitely on tour um for sure it on tour and on time yeah I hated watching that now I mean even I think even as a kid I was like um I guess this guy's cute, but like, is this what we're doing? I don't know. Um, Watching it as an adult, it was just like, how was no one else noticing this very obvious uh, inappropriate interaction between this coach and this player? And yeah, you, and again, we talked about this when we were watching it. If this is a camp for all girls, why the fuck are these coaches not all girls? Yeah. What's it's the- weird. Like, why, why is this man here? Like, yeah, yeah it was so weird because there were two male coaches and I noticed one female coach. I'm not sure if there was another one. I just, I noticed that gal, the, yeah. the pervert. And then there was another guy that like was sitting at that table with them that we saw a couple of times. So I'm assuming it was the three of them, but yeah, it was so weird. And like, I, I definitely, as an adult, I had alarms going off about both Costas and Paul, but, um, I had no idea what that coach's name was, so I'm glad you knew what his name was. I had to look at the Wikipedia. Um, right, right, right. Beforehand, I was like, what is this man's name? Um, and so, like, but 
as when I was younger, though, I don't remember feeling anything complicated about the Costa situation. I'm like, oh my God, stay no. in Greece, dude. Oh my God. Like, hey. I, cause, and also, he said he was only like a little bit into college, I think. So I'm hoping that like she's 17 and he's like 19. I don't know. I'm hoping it's something like that as opposed to like Bridget being 17 and that man being fucking 25 or something. I don't know. He's at least 21. Well, no, because it's Mexico. I don't remember if they're what their age of drinking is. Anyways, I started to say he had to have been 21 to be drinking at that bar, but I also don't know that they were fucking letting in teenagers. So I don't, I don't remember what. Yeah. That also that scene, again, there were other coaches there with that coach and none of them Uh were like, Hey bro, maybe don't grind on this. Yeah. She, yeah. Cause like the, cause her friends were staring and like, yeah, they weren't that far away from that table. And like, especially like, why wouldn't that female coach have been like, Hey, what the fuck? Exactly. I don't, there were a lot of interact. And again, I understand that that's probably, I don't say probably that is authentic just to some teens experiences, myself included, but it's just not, let me, let me, let me preface this. I didn't go to Greece and like, it's my virginity to some man. I'm not saying that level of similarity, but like having inappropriate relationships with people that were, um, a little too old for you at the time or whatever it is. It's just like, mm-hmm. okay, I get that. But watching it at like 12, 13, uh, yeah. I definitely did not see it as that. I saw it as like, Ooh, this is hot. I, I agree. I think that I did not think that that relationship was as icky as a kid, as I did as an adult watching it with you the other day. I was like, Ooh, no yeah. It feels like they kept the ages for both of those guys pretty vague. And I'm like, hello, how old are they though? Cause like the movie, I do appreciate that. I think the movie wants us to feel uncomfortable about Paul. Although I don't like that line when he's like, come find me when you're older. I'm like, get here. You actual criminal. Oh my God. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like he does weird shit at the end of the movie when he's walking around town, looking for her house. We're just yeah. supposed to breeze over that because I'm he's assuming- in khakis. Yeah, I'm assuming that he looked at her paperwork and got her actual address. Like, like, a, like a that's what I assumed. Was he like looked at like her? He like found her application or something and is like, "Hey, um, this crime I committed. I better, I better make it bigger by taking all this paperwork and stalking her." <laughs> and then not even stalking her correctly because she tells him at the end, like, "Oh, we don't live on this street. We live on this street." And he's like, "Oh, okay." Good job, Bridget. Thanks for clarifying the information to your fucking stalker. Like, what the fuck? Tell your dad to stop reading the books about Teddy Roosevelt and get present with your kid. Yeah, and ask if she needs to go on birth control, maybe, because I am confident they did not use protection. Um, I, I just am. You look like he was still in his fucking PJs. I think that they fucked raw on that beach. Like you said freaking yeast infection city i've been trying this whole time we've been talking to find definitively what the ages are of lena i was wondering what you were looking at i'm sorry i was trying to find it i can't find a a, definitive answer that's another reason to read the books because i'm curious if it'll be more specific in the books yeah because i'm finding a range anywhere from 15 16 to 17 for lena to 20 to 25 for costas and i'm like y'all that's we're- okay all right that, that, those are all very different yeah 17 and 20 is very different than 15 and 25 oh my god <laughs> yeah so i don't know yeah we might have to actually read these books to see what they tell us the answer and bashir's i don't remember what her last name is. i think it, nope that, i don't think that's it 
Oh. <laughs> I don't know. We'll look it up. We'll put it in the show. Notes. I don't remember what it is. Anyways. Um, yeah. So I think that um, I like that. I really like Lena's story and how it focuses on her, like standing up for herself, her sexuality, stuff like that. I, I think that was pretty cool, especially for the time um, of like, you know, cause then I, I like in the second one, you know, like she, <laughs> you know, she has her little romance with the guy who like goes to that, like figure drawing class. Delicious. Delicious. Yeah. That was a fun plot line for sure I did like that it it felt like everyone had more agency in the second one definitely you know not just because they were adults but you know they'd gone to college and like were Mm -hmm. outside of their parents homes not just going somewhere for the summer as a high school student totally and like we get an idea of like who they're kind of becoming um because you know tibby is like the she's like a a tortured artist wants to be a a screenwriter and then carmen i love that we get to see her like really take up that spotlight because she can deliver a monologue um and it's even like part of her character and so it's like fuck yes like (laughs) that she gets to be like an actress like a stage actor specifically um i like that bridget's story has to do with like family and grief although some of those scenes about her mom were too much for me. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like they went so hard on her having not just a dead mom, but how her mom died. And like her dad, she was institutionalized. And then her grandmother was kept from her fucking notebook style. All the letters were in the goddamn basement. And honestly, if he really wanted her to never talk to the grandma, why didn't he just start? Why didn't he just throw that shit away every time? Right in the recycling bin. Yeah. why did you bundle them all up and keep them in the basement for your very nosy daughter to find? Yeah. What was the plan? You were just holding on to them for safekeeping. I don't know. Very strange. The dad, terrible. I don't even know if he was probably that good of a dad when the mom was alive. Like I think yeah. he just sat there and read books in that sad little house and was like, Oh, are you home? Like, no wonder. Everyone he is a house dad for yes, sure. is struggling <laughs> with their mental health. Like you're not even here when you're here um yeah. yeah like he seems like he's wealthy um but he is emotionally negligent for sure for sure <laughs> to the point he- that it's it's causing some real harm to Blake Lively and yeah. then um I gotta say I I liked to be storyline in the first one um I liked that her character you know especially I thought it was also like an age appropriate storyline of like you know she's kind of this like asshole teenager like a lot of us are where you just feel frustrated everyone else seems like such an asshole and so anyways you know she gets to kind of like be challenged and uh like she I think she gets to learn to have more like empathy and compassion for people and to also dive into like art in the second one it's just I'm so frustrated because it, the conflict would barely have been there if she would have just taken a morning after pill. What is Honestly. happening? Like, I had, it was so annoying. And I just, I don't know. I just thought it was weird. And then like, yeah. And like the, I don't know, the, the conflict between her and her boyfriend was so weird. And then they just glossed over that he was going to date the little sister. How old is she? Like, what's happening? That whole thing was weird. And like, I liked that Tibby was working at a video store and was wearing fun wigs and like, was going like, it was like trying to like, like do like screenwriting and stuff like that. I thought that stuff was cool, but like, that wasn't really what her character was focused on. Her character was focused on the weird stuff with her and Brian. Yes. Brian. That actor's very cute. Um, with Brian. Yeah. And so like, I, I don't know, Tibby's, Tibby's storyline just made me irritated. 
Yeah, I agree. I wish that um, if they would have it still kept her being emotionally distant after what she thinks is, I guess, immediately is that she's pregnant because her and Brian have sex for the first time and the condom breaks. And like you said, take a morning after pill, bada bing, bada boom. Um, but for her to not only shut down emotionally like she did, but then to just like immediately break up with Brian, it was just like, what, what are we? Yeah, she, she kind of just like ghosted him. She fully ghosted him. And I felt really bad for him. For two years. Like, it's yeah. Like- she literally fucked him and left. You know what I mean? And yes, she's having her own in inner turmoil, if you will, of being like, oh my God, what if I'm pregnant? But it's like, bro, he also is panicking, thinking, what if you are pregnant? You know? Yeah, exactly. And then you just ghost him and you don't talk to him. But then, like you said, then he turns around and tries to date Lena's younger sister, who is, and now I'm just I don't like, know, 15? I don't know how If If, if she's 15, he is. is. <laughs> yeah. what is her name uh lucy hale yeah another age inappropriate relationship Um, honestly it's like what's going on there i don't know in the scene when he shows up with lena's sister to tibby's parents anniversary party at oh my god and then he says i didn't think you'd be here where the fuck else would she be like get out. This is this is my parents' house. This is by extension still my fucking house. Get out. I am I am literally plating canapes <laughs> to put out at this event. And you're saying you didn't think I was gonna be here at my parents' party? They're what? my parents. Why are you here? Like with a child. Out. Yeah. So Brian really tanked after Tibby ghosted him. I'm not quite sure what happened there. Um yeah. they, they gloss over that. I don't understand what the point of that was yeah and then they all kind of act no they all don't but there was the weird scene with lena and timmy where timmy was like why can't you have your sister not date brian and Lena's like i I can't control that but also it's kind of weird because brian's our age you know what i mean like it was yeah there were a lot of scenes in the second movie that hurt watching from like a friendship perspective you know like the fight between Mm -hmm. carmen and timmy but mm-hmm. it's they're not even fighting about what they're actually fighting about and it's just like oh i know you know just sit down and hold hands and just like just just talk about the things that you're stressed about and then yeah. see if there's actually anything that's between the two of you that you're stressed about because i don't think it was but oh the yeah. second one hit a little bit harder with the with the actual friendships i think it did and they made okay I think they made Carmen a little shitty in the second one. Because like, <laughs> I don't know. Because like I felt very firmly on her side in the first one. I'm like, throw that rock. Like, yes, all of it. Like the speech she gives when she's wearing that dress, like all of it. Oh, amazing. amazing. And so, I cried. <laughs> yeah, it's all so good. And um, I definitely cried when she gave, whenever she said the whole thing on the phone um to her dad in the first one oh that one yeah um but anyways so yeah but in the second one it's like you're the one who's not telling your friends how you feel and now you're being like a whole asshole because like they don't know what's going on with you and you're not even really asking them if they're okay like okay for instance if like let's say this doesn't really usually happen, but let's say I'm mad at you about something. Okay. But then I see you and you look visibly upset. Like, I, I guess I just feel like I would still be like, Hey, is something wrong? Like besides yeah. the thing that we're 
talking about? Like, did something happen? Like, it just, I don't know if it, it kind of didn't really even feel that realistic that Carmen would just be like, whatever. See you yeah. later. I have my lines with this annoying blonde girl. Yeah. Especially considering how invested she is in the pants and like their, their ritual that they have together. And yes, even if your yeah. feelings are hurt and still putting in the lens of like being a teen and everything's blown way bigger than yeah. it needs to be some, sometimes. Um, I feel like, yeah, they kind of did Carmen dirty of her being like, well, you know, you're not the only one who has issues. And it's like, why are you being like this when you don't even know what's going on with your friends and they don't know what's going on with you. So how can they support you if you're not telling them, Mm -hmm. you know, and you didn't have to go to Vermont. You didn't have to go to this acting school for the summer, you know, just because your friends were going to do something for the summer, you didn't have to go. No mm-hmm. one made you do that, ma'am. You knew your mom you- was about to pop with that baby. Seriously. And then once you get there, it's like, okay, well then why don't you share your excitement about what you're doing instead of saying it to them in some sassy way, like they were supposed to know like what you were doing. Yeah. 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 I found it unrealistic that Carmen's character would have left her mom. Yeah. Before yeah. She's, you know what I mean? I didn't, even though it is a beautiful scene with Tibby and uh yeah. Carmen's mom I just don't think her character would have just been like sure mom I know you're gonna give birth in a couple of months and I will most likely maybe miss it but I'm gonna go to this <laughs> acting camp yeah and like when she first went there she thought she was just doing um production stuff mm-hmm. which I mean that that is also still cool but like you know it ends up being this whole thing where she discovers this like you know passion that she didn't even really realize that she had of like act, you know acting and being in the spotlight and it being like a really big deal so like that does make it harder for her not to be there once she realizes what's happening because well she is the one who's on stage um as opposed to being like oh fuck like I need to find someone to help cover this like tat like the the tasks that I'm supposed to do tonight because like people don't know what you look like so it's like if someone else does your job like you know but like yeah so it's like she also went to this to do like production stuff I think um like behind the scenes and so yeah I don't know like it ends up being like a really big thing but it's like when she first gets there it doesn't even seem like she's that invested in what she's doing she's just like sort of doing it because it's like yeah sure whatever it's like related to you know the things that I've been doing but like yeah like you said like but you're gonna leave your mom when she's like about to pop and we've seen like how close they are yeah and you end up I don't know what that weird not even romance whatever that was supposed to be with her and that boy with the feathered hair that was weird. That was weird. The whole time I was just like, she needs to be making out with that stepbrother from the first one. Okay. The one who never talked and all he did was stare at her. How did, how was there more chemistry between her and her stepbrother? <laughs> who never, like he said. didn't have one fucking line in the first movie. He was just in the corner. I think he might've said one thing after she got there, but I can't remember what it is. So it's like, maybe he didn't. The guy's hot though. I've seen him in other stuff, but he is young. Um, he also is, we discussed this. He's the love interest slash mean boy in Cheetah Girls. Yes, he is. Excellent film. Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah. But overall, I feel like, the movies for me stand up I will always rewatch them I'm always down to watch them mm-hmm. I hope you end up getting the books because now I, I need to know what what it's like it's been so long since I've read them and I can't remember the the of the last two books the third or the fourth one at all I definitely I think I'm gonna get them and see if I can focus enough to read them <laughs>
<laughs> I'm, I'm going to give it a shot, but yeah. Uh, one more thing that I liked, um, I, <laughs> I enjoyed that with Lena, like she got to have that other romance, but like it got to end not for like a shitty reason. Like I, I didn't entirely know how I felt by the, like on this watch as like a full adult of like figuring out, like, do I like that? She wants to get back together with Costas. What is that even going to look like? Like logistically, um, as opposed to the guy who's here at the school that you go to and is really cute and like you have a lot in common with, but anyways, but like, I did like that she got to have another romance and then she chose like, okay, this guy's really great, but I don't think that I am over this other situation. Um, and things have changed here. So, you know, I think this is who I really want to be with, um, because I guess she wants to be monogamous or whatever. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. It was just like, I I liked that that was an example of like a relationship ending. Um, but it didn't have to be this like big, awful, dramatic thing. Like, we didn't even touch on why they were not together. Oh Lena yeah, because were not months, together. only months after they wanted like some time apart or whatever. Cause like, it seems like presumably they've been spending the summers together. That was the vibe yeah. that I got was that like, she's been spending the summers in Greece and that at the end of this last one, they decided to take some time apart, maybe because like, she was, you know, like I'm going off to college, like maybe whatever. I don't know what the reason was, but probably something like that. And then, yeah, yeah. She goes back to Greece for her grandpa's funeral sad and finds out that yeah, it's only been a couple of months, but he's gotten with somebody who was allegedly pregnant. And he's already going to get married to her. And then as it turns out, this girl lied about the pregnancy. So they kind of annulled. And I'm like, what is happening? That's such, that's so intense. Yeah. And that's just, I know that they can't fit all of it into a movie, but like, what? <laughs> what was that conversation going to be like because they just kind of stuff it in at the end of lena's story being like oh yeah she wasn't pregnant don't worry i'm not married anymore it's not a big deal also i just showed up at your college campus and it just again again with the men just showing up places and wandering the grounds hoping Uh to find you because that's what he does he shows up where she goes to school and is just wandering he sits outside a building assuming that she'll come out of it eventually because it's like an art building or something and she does but like what yeah what you if you edited the scenes a little bit different this could have gone in the other category of this podcast into the horror uh-huh. section because this is two times now that two different men who are also starting out their relationships with these women when they are young um just showing up places Mm-hmm. uninvited it was cute uninvited by Alanis Morissette um it, <laughs> what... <laughs> um it movies like this like this that particular rom-com like device trope whatever I feel like that is a big reason why like I thought so many things were romantic when I was younger like an ex-boyfriend that was fully in, like we had broken up showing up in my workplace to try to talk to me with a, with a box of Capri Suns. Cause I drank them a lot. I was like 21, whatever. <laughs> I really liked them. They're yummy. And I drank a lot of them all through my twenties until I, I learned about the ones that it was all coagulated and gross in there and had like mold. So I never drank a Capri Sun again. Um, cause like, how do you know, how do you know if yours is going to be the one that has the mold in it? So anyways, ruined it. Um, but <laughs> yeah. So like having like 
someone just show up or like things like that, like different situations that could, like you said, this could turn into a horror movie, like definitely getting into like weird kind of creepy territory, but it's like, oh, but like they're doing this weird thing because they just love you so much. And it's like, uh oh, oh, we woo. But despite all of that, I agree. I do think they hold up. And I think that, um, I mean, both of them made me cry. Mm -hmm. Um, especially the lines, uh, you broke me, like you broke my heart that Lena says whenever her Alexis Bledel is so good at crying. Mm -hmm. She's so good at crying. Like I wish I, we've talked about this a lot. Um, one of my fun little autistic obsessions is that I wish that I could know the exact like numerical value of things, just random things. One of another, one of those things could be, I wish I knew how many hours of my life I have cried because of content that Alexis Bledel was in <laughs> like Gilmore girls stuck everlasting mm. sister to the traveling pants. And I did watch part of handmaid's tale. I couldn't do it. I could not do it, but I did watch part of it. Yeah. And part of it was about her and it made me cry. Um, but anyways, I, yeah, that line, the like, why didn't she like love me enough to stay or something that Bridget said about her mom? Jesus, mm-hmm. that one really got me. Um, yeah, whenever Tibby rewatches or she watches that tape that the little girl had made for her. Oh, yeah, Jesus, yeah, definitely some. Um, it's both the movies are emotional for sure. Yeah. But like, it was nice. Like it was like, it felt, it felt like cathartic. Um, and like, yeah, even though some of them are a little yikes, uh, some of the stories I, I like that we have, you know, a variety of like young women that have different interests that have different like complexities that are going on in their lives. And that ultimately are like always there for each other. Um, so I fucking love that girls talking to girls. So Um, are there things like behind the scenes stuff or anything that you want to share? Okay. So I told you before we got on here that I hadn't read through any of these and I was just scrolling through and some of these, I feel like (laughs) are going to be a bummer. Okay. So let's just start with this one because apparently I don't know as of 2024, what the status was or is of this third movie that was supposed to have come out at some point. This is an article back from 2015. And so there was going to be a third movie, which was going to follow the plot of the fifth and final book of the series, Sisterhood Everlasting. Um, I don't know what the status was of it, what happened to it, any of that. But do you want to hear what the plot of that book was? Yeah. So there's five books. Okay. So what's the plot of number five? Let's know what I'm getting into. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. So Sisterhood Everlasting follows Lena, Tibby, Bridget, Does someone get pregnant? (laughs) <laughs> gonna read it <laughs> sorry <laughs> okay <laughs> sister and everlasting follows lena tibby bridget and carmen 10 years after the first book so they're okay. in their mid to late 20s now in it tibby dies <gasps> <laughs> that's what the article says i don't know i didn't read the book i don't know you'll have to- i don't know <laughs> That's just what it says. She's the one who has the death storyline. <laughs> she dies of cancer. I'm going to send a hateful letter to the author of that. <laughs> I'm send her such a letter. Ooh, oh, yeah. Oh my God. What? Uh, that's, that's as far as I got. So I'm upset. 
yeah, that apparently is the plot line of the fifth and final book, which was going to be the plot that they used for the third movie. Ooh, Wait, that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you say the name is Sisterhood Everlasting? Yeah. Kind of like that other really sad movie about death, Tuck Everlasting, that I keep talking about. Oh my God. So yeah. sad. So sad. It's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So here's some other just rant. We're just going to off the cuff just read these through and see which ones devastate us like that one. Uh, probably nothing will devastate us like that one, I'm sure. <laughs> That's, yeah, that one was pretty fucking bad. Um, okay. So the first people to be cast for this movie, it was America Ferrer and Amber Tamblin who played Carmen and Tibby. All of the actors were cast separately. Huh. In fact, they didn't meet until the first official script read through. Fascinating. That's weird. Well, I mean, it ended up working out. They all have great chemistry. Yeah. Apparently, America Ferrer didn't even read the script for over a year. It sat on her desk until her mom read it and convinced her to take the part. She read the book after getting the part and loved it so much she read the second book immediately. Um, Olivia Wilde auditioned for the part of Bridget. Um, Alexa Bledel spent three weeks filming her solo scenes in Santorini in Greece while the Olympics were being set up. That's random. That's a lot going on at once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Blake Lively planned Amber Tamblin and America Ferreira's bachelorette parties. What? Yeah, they're all still friends. I love that. I guess I just didn't think that uh, we would get these types of random behind the scenes things. And yeah, let's see what else. Let's see what else. Um, okay, some of these we already knew. Oh my God, America Ferreira had to learn to play tennis for the movie. Oh, that's fun. That's hilarious. Alexa well, Bledel. she hit the hell out of that tennis ball. She, <laughs> she hit her stepbrother did. in the face. And she looks so cute in her little outfit. Yes. Um, uh, Alexis Bledel had to be taught how to ride a Vespa. I would have to be taught how to ride a Vespa for sure. Yeah, I don't know how to ride a Vespa. Does that mean Hillary Duff had to learn how to ride a Vespa for the Liz McGuire movie? I don't know, but I know she learned how to drive a car while she was making that movie. You should let us know if you're listening to this. Do you think the Lizzie McGuire movie is a rom-com? And also, do you know how to ride a Vespa? Let us know. Important questions. Um, oh my God, Blake Lively spent two months of soccer training in LA and Canada. Damn. Hmm. I don't know if this is a good fact or not to be having out here. But the guy who played Costas only had four days to learn a Greek accent. Do you, do you... Oh, that was his accent? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's hilarious. I can't wait to like look up an interview or something with that man so I can hear what he actually sounds like. Yeah. Oh my I, God. I thought it was his accent. The, the scene where America Ferrer has talks to her dad on the phone and has that really good monologue. It was initially a woman on the other end of the phone. Oh, like, I don't like, know, I don't know like if that means like on with, set. Like or, delivering the lines or something. Yeah. I don't know if that means like while they're filming it or if a woman answers the phone. I don't know. Huh. The woman who, what do you say the woman's last name is? Uh, how do you say it? And Brashears or Brashears? Brashears? I don't remember. I'm trying to. R A S H A R E S. And the series author <laughs> says that none of the characters are based on her, but she is most similar to Carmen. Oh, love that. Makes sense how why uh Carmen gets such good monologues. That does make and, sense. And she's yeah. also she wrote books, and Carmen is a writer. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess there's also that. <laughs> But yeah, I think that uh, those are probably, oh, no, here's one more that I have to tell you. So apparently the cliff jumping scene was not originally written into the script, 
it came about because America Ferreira and Amber Tamblyn saw locals doing it, tried it themselves, and then told the producers who wrote it into the script. That's very cute. You love that. Okay. But yeah, I do love that the horror actresses are friends, were friends, and like have stayed friends throughout, and they like acknowledge the anniversaries of the movies and stuff. It's just nice. You know, I think it's Mm -hmm. cute, especially when the movies are about friendship, um, to see that people make genuine connections. I forgot to mention this behind this. I don't know if it's behind the scenes fact or not, but um, apparently the jeans that they use are Levi's, like the ones that you see, the magic pants, they're Levi's. Ooh. I'm not sure if they all, because of course they show in the first one, all of them actually wearing the pants at different points. So I don't know if all of those are Levi's as well, but the ones that you can see in the beginning are, which is funny because I don't think I don't remember like specifically wearing like, oh, these are Levi's. Mm-hmm. But that being a thing is more just like, oh, these jeans fit me. I got them at whatever store it was. Yeah, same. I feel like millennials were more about the store than the brand, which I know mm-hmm. sounds silly, but you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think of Levi's more of just a brand. Yeah. I'm interested. I would love to know what their actual measurements were <laughs> just because um especially compared to the book like I wonder if they mention it in the books how they're all because you know like they'll do like descriptions of all the characters now I, I, now I need to also maybe we should do this at the same time just listen to the audiobooks of Sister of Traveling Pants yeah we should do that um what is our ranking system for um, something that would have solved a lot of problems which is a plan b pill Oh man, yeah, for sure. Okay. So out of out of five Plan B pills. <laughs> okay, for me, for me, five out of five. You can bend them back to back um, if you have four hours to kill, and they stand up on their own. I think that even if you hadn't seen the first one, you could reasonably watch the second one. There's not a lot. There, there are just enough amount of callbacks to the first one that you notice them if you've watched the first one, but it's not necessary. So I would say five out of five. Plan B pills. Same, same. I would say both of them are five out of five. Um, Cause I feel like in like for the descent movies, I'm definitely going to rake them or rate them differently. <laughs> um, but for the sister of the traveling pants movies though, they, they both have the same five out of five. I agree. Yeah. Um, they're just, they, like you said, they're so rewatchable and I just, I really loved them growing up and they felt very authentic and real. Mm-hmm. And like, I really appreciated the characters and even though parts of it are parts of it are not great I do still think there are a lot of like lessons or whatever that are in them and like (laughs) I still think they could perhaps be relevant to the youths agreed agreed yeah yeah so now we're going to take off our jeans that fit both of us perfectly and uh we're gonna put on some uh headlamps and uh more more carabiners than you could have ever imagined yeah and we're going to go into some caves so for our horror movies (laughs) i chose the descent movies we have the first descent that came out in 2005 uh written and directed by neil marshall um, there are a handful of producers including two pauls um (laughs) which is fun (laughs) 
And then uh, a single woman, uh, Ivana McKinnon. Yeah, McKenna. And then the other ones, uh, just uh, some dudes. And so um, <clears throat> this movie um, is about five, six, sorry, six women um, who one year after one of them, um, Sarah, uh, her husband and daughter are killed in a tragic car accident after the six of or after I guess in that case, eight of them had, um, actually it might've been seven cause Holly wasn't there, whatever. This group of friends a year earlier had all hung out. And then, um, on the way back, uh, yeah, Sarah, her husband, daughter got in a car crash, killing both her husband and her daughter. And so, uh, one year later, um, they all get together to go on a trip again, except this time it is to go in these like caves, which I guess is a thing that they do, um, because they need a really dangerous hobby, I guess. And so, um, some people's nightmares, other people's hobbies, um, they decide to go into this, fucking cave um uh, all six of them it is sarah um her friend uh her friends juno beth sam and rebecca and then someone named holly who was like one of their friends uh like a friend of a friend and so the six of them go into this cave and pretty soon after going into the cave they learn that goddamn juno had picked an unexplored cave that they had no map of no idea what was in there because she wanted to have some like wild experience where they all got to like name it or whatever. So Mrs. Icarus thought that they should do this. Uh, and part of why she wanted to do this was because she fucked Sarah's husband and it feels really bad about it. And somehow to her, she wants to make it up to Sarah by providing this insane challenge. Um, so whatever, um, <laughs> like, you know, the enemy, Yeah, what a I think weird she's a really, way. To show your friendship. I think that she's a very well-played character. I love Juno like as the character in that she's very intense. She fucks up some of those crawlers. And I do think that we get some complexity to her. It's not like she's just this like, you know, one note villain or whatever. Um, like we, we, we can have compassion for her. And then at the same time, be like, wow, you made such bad decisions. Um, <laughs> I'm glad what happened to you happened. So anyways, um, over the course of this movie, the six women go in this cave and they just get, uh, they go through horrors. <laughs> um, they get stuck in tight spaces and they're, they, they break their bones. It's horrible. And uh, then they're also attacked by things called crawlers, which the creator of the film, uh, Neil Marshall, said that he imagined as cavemen who stayed underground. Um, so like evolved separately um, from what we are. And so Anyways, um, this film is <laughs> terrifying. Um, honestly, I, I think that it, it's still scary. The first one. Um, yes. Yeah, there were definitely scenes where Olivia and I were holding hands. We did watch these in person. Like we said earlier, we watched um, all four of these movies back to back. Uh, Sister of the Traveling Pants one and two first and then The Descent one and two, which was fun because by that point, the sun had gone down. So... <laughs> Um, so yeah, in this movie, it's very claustrophobic. Um, it's very dark. It takes a while before you can fully see the cross 
dollars, which the creator did on purpose. He really wanted there to be a lot of buildup and suspense where you weren't entirely sure what you were scared of. And that's always great in horror movies when like, you know, you get to have the tension. Um, but anyways, so yeah, in this movie, it's honestly, it is my nightmare. It is my nightmare. There is mysterious water. There are dark caves. Like it, it's just horrible. It is so scary. And then, um, if you haven't seen it, which if you haven't, what the fuck? Um, it's so good. Um, but anyways, in the end, um, Juno, um, gets attacked by Sarah. So Sarah finds out through Beth who gets attacked by one of the crawlers and then, um, or no, sorry, Juno had was getting attacked by the crawlers was freaking out. And then she accidentally stabs Beth and then she leaves her to die. But whoopsies, Beth wasn't dead. She had grabbed Juno's necklace. And then Sarah, um, gets told by, by Beth, uh, that, Juno fucked the husband. Um, and, uh, I don't even know if she like fully says it. It's just, it's made clear because the necklace, you know, says the thing that her husband says or whatever. So anyways, Sarah realizes that not only is Juno like had, had Juno betrayed her and never told her, but that she left Beth for dead. So after everybody else is dead and she has to fucking bludgeon Beth to death, which made me sob as a kid, um, literally sob. <laughs> I was like 14 when I watched it. <laughs> cry so hard um and I didn't watch it again for like another 10 years I was like I don't want to watch this movie again and then I watched it again in my 20s and I was like oh my god I love it um but anyways so then um when she sees Juno um she takes that scary cave tool and plunges it in her leg and then escapes um key difference is that the original ending after she gets out of the cave and has that scary moment in the car when she's getting away is that when she sees is what what she thinks is like the ghost of Juno because she's kind of like haunted by her trauma or whatever she sees her dead daughter stuff like that and so she sees what she's imagining is a dead Juno but in the original ending she wakes up she's still in the cave <laughs> and the crawlers you can still hear them coming um but uh Neil Marshall said that whenever it was tested with audiences I guess it was too much of a bummer for the U.S. audience so only in the U.S. did we get this other ending versus the original U.K. ending um which still plays in other places um um, so depending on where you live, sci-fi is going to play a different one or whatever. So um, and then the second one um, is a immediate sequel, but it follows sort of the U.S. ending. Um, so Sarah is found by somebody like a, a, a truck driver, and um, she is forced to go back into the cave by this shitty sheriff, another cop, and uh, three cave experts. Um, they go back into the cave. She finds Juno. Um, it ends up getting down basically similar stuff happens as the first one. And then it gets all the way down to the end. And it is Juno, the lady cop who is Rios. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, Juno, Juno sacrifices herself. And, um, then Sarah ends up doing the same to save Rios. And then he gets out and this scary dude, Ed, who lives in the area, hits her with a shovel and puts her on top of that hole. And we find out that he has been feeding the crawlers probably to protect him and his family because we find out that like his grandfather or something like died in that cave. So I guess he's like really scared of the crawlers and like feeds people to them. So um, yeah, we got to have a sequel where the final girl from the first one dies. Well, there are technically there are two final girls of the first one. They are both killed and another woman is introduced. We get 
a tiny storyline for her. And then she dies too. Yeah. I. <laughs> so what was your, uh, I forgot to ask you earlier, had you seen, which of the movies had you seen? What was your experience with them? <laughs> okay. So yeah, before we get into vibes, cause I got thoughts, I have thoughts. Um, I surprisingly had the first one on DVD, like as a kid, like, I watched this movie a lot for some reason, because it is terrifying. I still found it to be scary. Even when you and I watched it recently and so I was familiar with the original or the first one but I didn't even know there was a second one until we were looking up things for the podcast and you told me so when you and I watched it that was my first time watching the second one um and I definitely am glad that we watched them back to back because it picks up like the next day and I feel like it was really helpful to have just which is funny because the second one, they do so many actual flashbacks from the first movie, but it was helpful to have watched the first one and just like roll right into it. Um, yeah, I feel yeah. like a quarter of the sequel were flashbacks from the first one. Yeah, they definitely were. They were like, hey, in case you just stumbled upon this movie and it's 3 a.m. and it was on the sci-fi channel, here's how it all connects from the first one. They do the same thing with Hostel 2. It takes place almost immediately after and uh, or pretty soon after and you get like flashbacks to the first one. So I feel like it's another example where they're like, well, if you're watching the sequel, it's all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't worry about it if you haven't seen the first one. Which um, is funny because Sister of the Traveling Pants 2, they don't do that. Mm-hmm. They're very heavily relying on the audience coming to the sequel I feel like from the first one which is funny because I think I'm more likely to stumble upon The Descent 2 and randomly watch it if I had never seen them versus The Sister of Traveling Pants 2. Yeah I definitely I I don't I don't think that I would have just dove into a movie like that probably because there is so much more going on as opposed to like a random horror sequel where you're like okay they're in a cave. Yeah (laughs) yeah um very interesting you uh, yeah okay continue what how, what was your experience with the first and the second ones of these I had also watched the first one a lot. Um, Whenever I was in like, I think the ninth grade, I like had a sleepover at this girl's house and we watched The Descent and it was like, you know, late at night, it pitch black in the room. And by the time it got to the end, we were like holding hands and terrified. And then when Sarah has to kill Beth, we like wept. (laughs) And then I was like, I never want to watch this movie again. And And um, anyways, then once I was in, yeah, I think my late teens or early twenties, I I was like, okay, fuck it. I think I'll watch it again. I think I was in my early twenties and I rewatched it and was like, God damn it. This is so good. And so I watched a lot in my twenties. Um, and then I had only seen the second one once though, a couple years ago, I was like, ah, fuck it. I've never seen the descent too. I want to watch it and just see what happens because I, I learned that, you know, it had both Sarah and Juno in it. And so, cause like if a horror sequel and honestly sequels in general, if it doesn't have the characters from the first one, I'm just really not likely to watch it unless it's something I like really, really, really like. Um, but like in, you know, if, if like, for instance, the descent had just been another story about a group of people who went down in the cave, I don't know if I would have actually watched it. Um, but because it takes place immediately afterwards, I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. But like, but what's interesting about it is that, um, like if you think about it, it's weird because like the first one ends, and Sarah is in a vehicle 
she's like, she, she's driving. Right. But yeah. then the second one picks up and she's running and she like runs out into the street. And so it's like, girlfriend, what happened to your car? Yeah. We're crashing somewhere. Did it run out of gas? Like, so that, that part was weird. Uh, cause it was just like, Oh, but uh, you were driving the last time that we saw you, <laughs> you were in a vehicle. <laughs> That presumably you guys had put enough gas in that you could leave and get back when you got yeah. out of the cave. So yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I had seen the second one only once. And like when you and I watched it, other than me remembering that Juno was still alive and me remembering that neither of them made it out. Um, I remember nothing else about this movie, like literally nothing else. All the rest of it. I was like, well, this is new information for me. Like my brain just did not hit save at all. Um, yeah. So I definitely, like we've talked about, we both found the first one very scary. Did you think the second one was scary? Okay. (laughs) I, I know that if I would have been in a different setting, like you and I would not have been watching it together. We weren't doing it for research for the podcast, all those things. Um, maybe like, you know what I mean? If you're like in a hotel room by yourself and the lights are all off and you're like kind of creeped out a little bit, maybe, but the crawlers look different. Like I commented, we talked about this when we were watching it, but they almost just looked like naked men that they had painted, like, especially towards the end. That's why at one point I looked at you and I was like, is this scene erotic? Like, where the the three women, um, Sarah Juno and Rios, is that what she said? Uh-huh. Um, when they're killing all of these crawlers, I was like, this feels almost erotic to me. I don't I don't know why. And I think it's because the crawlers just look like they just painted a bunch of dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what was up with that. So I definitely felt like their <laughs> their ability to be scary like they were in the first one was not there in the second one. They didn't have as much buildup, I don't think. Um, they did in the beginning. There were a couple moments that really creeped me out where I was like, oh my God, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they played really hard on, I think, the claustrophobia piece of it more than, the, you know what I mean, like the crawlers, because there were so many more scenes where they're in the really, really confined spaces that I felt like they didn't do as much in the first one. Yeah, that was apparently intentional. Um, the person who made the second one um, or someone, one of the people who helped make the second one had commented um, that they wanted uh, the second one to like amp up how like trapped and claustrophobic it felt. Mm-hmm. It definitely felt like It that. succeeded, especially that one girl, um, Kath, whenever she's trapped and they have to yes. leave her. <gasps> oh, I was so stressed out. I was so stressed out. Every time I came back to her, like, I was just like, wow, like I might just rather have already died. Like, I don't know if I just mm-hmm. want to sit there and spend my last hours just in the most absolute like just yeah. fear like ugh, no yeah just take me out immediately don't make me sit here like this um I agree I don't think the second one was as scary and I don't think that <laughs> the way the way the second one ended was a fucking bummer and not the way that I think the first one potentially could have been with the other ending you know mm-hmm. what I mean because that seems like just this idea of them throwing it at the end of like oh you never really get to leave even if you do leave because this guy's going to find you and throw you back in. And it's like, okay, so you're telling me that it just depends on which entrance or exit you go out of. Well, and that's what's weird because didn't she go out the same exit though? That's what I was confused about. I was like, so she crawled up the bones. Yeah. So like, 
did he just was he just off of his shift of catching people getting out of his hole i don't understand yeah maybe he was taking a nap or jacking off or something something like i don't understand (laughs) and the whole idea of like the crawlers could they leave to hunt above ground Uh and it's like I know they talked about, didn't they talk about that the first one too? Mm-hmm. They and said, like, I don't remember how, I think it was because of all the bones that they realized that, um, but they, yeah, they, they said that they realized that the animal, the, the, the creatures, whatever the crawlers um, were going above ground to hunt. But yeah, it is kind of confusing though, because they are, well, I don't know, I guess bats do, bats do hunt outside of the cave too. I was sorry to say, cause they have like, they, they, they like hear like bats um is, is what they had imagined whenever they came up with the the crawlers so um yeah i guess that they just had to rely on those senses um so maybe maybe they also are like hunting at night um because if they were hunting at night it might be similar to like what it's like when they're in the cave that's you know? what i was wondering because i was like there's no way they can hunt in the daytime they're not <laughs> Yeah, cause like, cause, cause that's that's how, like how like bats are too. Like yeah. they don't don't they eat at night? Um, like that's when they come out of their caves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's when I see bats because back home there were bats sometimes. So yes, I definitely did not. Uh, I don't want to say I, I didn't. I I didn't hate second one. Mm-hmm. It was not. At, it did not compare to the first one for me. Personally. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely feels more of like a made-for-TV uh, horror movie. Yes. Yeah, um, which in the U.S. it kind of, well, actually everywhere but the U.K. it basically was. So it had a theatrical release in the U.K. because both of these are are um, like British films. Um, and so, or like U.K. films. Uh, and so um, the, in the, the second one was released theatrically only in the U.K. And then I think like a year or maybe a little less than a year later, it was available Um like on dvd in the u.s okay but yeah that's definitely a good way to describe how the second one felt yeah yeah i did i did like that we got a little bit more to sarah and juno um i oh the the dread that i felt when they made her go back in like it was so upsetting and then like i honestly loved the scene when she snapped like when she started to remember because like if you haven't seen the second one whenever she's found and she wakes up in the hospital she doesn't remember what happened at first she doesn't even remember that her husband and daughter are dead so like either because of the trauma or all of the different injuries that she had she can't fucking remember what's going on but once she gets forced back into the cave and she starts hearing things and they're going they're going um they're not going the same route that they did in the first one but they get to the same places so like they they go in through like this old mine entrance thing but um they end up getting to some of the same places where scenes in the first one happened and so she starts to see that stuff and remember and that those parts definitely filled me with a lot of dread but like you said the crawlers were not as convincing um I think the more claustrophobic scenes were the ones that were still scary especially because they amped up the water in the second one like there were more scenes when they had to be underwater and oh that scares me so much so those scenes really got me um I did like that but that at the end we got to have that scene where they were like like you said they were like (laughs) really viciously killing the crawlers and um I think for me there was just so much texture and sound happening that I was getting a little like 
it was it was gross um which you <laughs> yeah. know sometimes horror movies are gross so that's fine um but I can also understand why you were like is this erotic like because they're like they are enraged by the end yeah. and so it's like you know you get to see women be like carnal you know yeah. like feral uh which is fun um but yeah I liked that um that Juno and Sarah got to see each other again, that even though it was again, in kind of like a carnal way, they got to kind of make peace with each other. Um, they didn't really talk that much, but you know, they were kind of like, yeah, we understand each other now. Um, it was, it was all fucked up. And to be honest, I did not blame Sarah for what she did to Juno. Like I, I think it would have been uncalled for if it would have been just because of the cheating or, but like she picked that fucking cave all of it was her fault. She picked that cave and she lied to all of them. And then she left that friend for dead. And so like all of those things combined. Yes. And all of that combined, fuck it. Mm -hmm. Like at that point, Sarah is broken. Okay. Upstairs. Sarah's not home. She's just trying to get out. She's in a very animalistic place. And so like, I didn't really blame her for taking that tool to Juno's leg. She just had to bludgeon her friend to death mm-hmm. yep yep and to find out your husband is a basic ass bitch who said the same little expression to you that he said to juno it's just like mm, mm, and she's mm, been mourning mm. him for this whole year not knowing that he was cheating on her with one of her best friends and everyone else knew mm. yeah mm. did you yeah. notice in the second one versus the first one the main characters like lose some of their clothing throughout like the one character rios by the end of the movie she is just in like a tiny tank top running in the woods yeah and when they it starts she's in like a full uniform and mm-hmm. they don't do that at all in the first one like they're just in their little outfits and i just thought that was mm-hmm. interesting that like all of mm-hmm. multiple characters are like losing clothing in the second one that is really interesting especially combined with how the first one one of my favorite things about it is how much all of the women have all of these different technical skills that they're using like they all have different survival skills like that one girl is really good at doing the thing where she's holding herself and like putting those things into place Uh when she's hanging above that like I don't know the thing that was deep enough to fully kill her but when Juno jumped into it there was water in the second one right yeah, it was, was the same place because we saw the things up there and then mm-hmm. she jumped in and I'm like, well, and then she landed in water and I was like, oh, I guess it was okay for you, but it killed the hell out of that other girl. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in the first one, there were so much like skill involved in what they were doing. That mm-hmm. one woman was like a doctor or some kind of medical and so she had that and like you know one of them was able to figure out from like the bones they were finding and how things were like maybe how these things behaved or like how they get out and so it's like these you know these ladies they had thoughts and they had skills and they were you know and so as far as something that's kind of like action horror sci-fi ish that's very cool that's one of the things I like about annihilation is that each woman is an expert in a in a different field and that's why they go into this this area with where the the all this shit is um but uh (laughs) but anyways so it but in the second one it's like you have the cop who 
she's mostly just there to be like, uh oh, like, I don't think we should be here. Like, she's like in contrast to like the scary sheriff guy who's like, I don't give a shit what happens and how dramatized she is. We're going to find these people because he like kind of thinks that she killed all of her friends, even though she's so clearly freaking the fuck out in a way that she feels unsafe. And so it's like, if she was just some maniac who killed everybody down here, killed all of her friends because she wanted to, I guess, then like, why would she be behaving like this? Like, anyways, it it was weird. And then the other, the other person, Rios, is just like, it seems like she also wants to figure out what happened, but like, is trying to be like a little more compassionate or whatever. Um, and then you have the, you do have the, the couple cave experts, um, Except I don't know. It didn't really feel like that. Greg guy really was. I don't. Yeah, I'm not quite sure if he was an expert. He might have been yeah. an apprentice. It <laughs> like... seems like him and Kath had something going on. So yeah, maybe he was the apprentice of of Dan, who was the guy who seemed to be the main cave mm-hmm. expert guy. And then it also seemed like Kath had some understanding of what was going on. And it seemed like Kath and Greg were like together, or they just were making weird comments to each other the whole time. It was either a weird yeah. working relationship or they were together and also worked together um but yeah so that is that is interesting and I think I think that with that I'll mention the difference in how these two movies were made so the first one was written and directed by Neil Marshall originally this movie was um did not have the crawlers but was still the like the cave trying to get out like things collapsing on you that kind of thing and was meant to be with men and women but him and it said like a creative partner so I don't know if it was one of the producers of the first one or like who exactly it was but in discussions about this movie early on uh they decided that it would defy typical like horror movie conventions to have it be a group of all women which that is true that isn't something that we see a lot and so he decided to change it and then he also consulted various female friends of his to talk about the characters and help make them more like well-rounded or whatever because he didn't want them to be like <laughs> make them like real women characters I'm just laughing because I'm just imagining this man being like hello ladies what is it like to be a woman please tell me you know what would you like- if you were stuck in a cave with your leg bone sticking out and obviously yes I would want stories that are written about women to be told authentically but it was just making me giggle imagining this man being like do 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 hello females <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like, okay that, like, we don't really know what these conversations sound yeah. like allegedly happened and then he mentioned um so he had previously made this other movie I already can't remember what it's called but it was a horror movie and I guess it was about it was like a group of dudes and so he talked about how like with this one because it was a group of all women he's like one of the differences is that they actually all talk to each other which I don't think they would have done if they were all men and I'm just like you know what I agree with you if it was a group of all men I don't know if they would have stopped and had that many discussions Mm -hmm. um maybe they would yeah I don't think they would so yeah, so he did, he did, he did put thought, which I appreciate because there's this idea sometimes that the directors or writers have where it's like, if they originally wrote a part for a man and then put a woman into it, that that's like, that's great representation for women. Sometimes that produces great characters like Ripley and Alien, but other times it just doesn't actually feel like an authentic character because, um, 
we don't always do things the same. Like we're socialized different. We have different experiences and different relationships to things like safety. And like, so we do approach crisis, like a crisis in a different way sometimes. Um, So I like that he thought about how one, he himself does not know probably how to make a fully authentic female character because he doesn't understand that experience. So he should talk to people about it. That's great that you found women and you were like, hey, I'm writing about women. And then two, that he thought about well, what about this group would be a different dynamic if it was all women? Oh, they would probably fucking talk to each other. <laughs> and I'm like, you're, you're right, Neil. Um, and then the second one had some of the same producers, that woman that I mentioned, um, Ivana McKenna, um, she returned as a producer in this one. Neil Marshall only um, returned as an executive producer. He helped oversee it, but he did not write or make it. It was written by... <sighs> Okay. You know how I feel about J names. I've had some, I've had a lot of experiences with men with J names. And this second movie was written by a James, a James and a J. I could not find on the internet what Jay's name was. I hope it's James. Cause if so, this movie was literally written by James cubed. Oh my god. And then um it was directed by um let's see who was it directed by. I forgot to write his name down. Um but it was directed by someone who was not Neil Marshall and um apparently Neil later a few years after the movie came out cuz this movie did very poorly. Like The Descent is a pretty popular movie, The Descent 2 is not. Um and so anyways, um he later said that he wished the movie hadn't really have been made. Um I think he regretted being a part of it, but he said that the movie shouldn't have been made and that to him this movie isn't a sequel of either ending of the first one. Like he doesn't see it as a direct sequel at all. Um which I think is interesting because like I said earlier, it doesn't like it there is something missing because why was she in a car and then not and so it really does kind of feel like this movie just picks up at a different spot which is kind of weird um but anyway so yeah he does not like this movie and thinks it was an unnecessary sequel and he thought the descent was fine on its own yeah and the guy who directed the second one I think it said he was like the I don't know like the cinematographer or something for the first one I can't remember he's he but he was part of the production team on the first one and the descent Two is the only movie he's directed oh man did this like crush his dream that's kind of sad yeah it might have um so I also I have a couple of little trivia things to say um one of them I oh I've been holding on to it I've been so excited about it um I wanted to find this fucking guy's name John Harris I just wanted to be it bothered me I couldn't remember it another J name um John J-O-N Harris uh, is the director of the second one anyways so, okay, okay, okay. So <laughs> the Descent Part 1, um, the actress who plays Holly, who is the hot one who is definitely a lesbian and has spiky hair, and she's the one who falls and her leg bone is sticking out, and it's one of the worst things I've ever seen, and it really held up. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a great scene of body horror. It makes my whole body hurt. Um, but anyways, the actress, Nora Jane Noon, I think is her name, um, <laughs> Okay, so a full 
um, replica of her body was made. Okay. Um, probably because of all the, the, the body horror with her, with, with her in that scene. And she kept the head of the replica and she hid it in her mother's freezer. <laughs> my mom would beat my ass if yeah. I did that. She would beat my ass with that head, with that frozen fake head. She would beat me <laughs> with it. Absolutely. My mom would never forgive me if I did that. Yeah, absolutely not. That's hilarious. Though. <laughs> I love that. Um, so the um the movie was the first one was shot in uh Scotland for the outside scenes and for the inside scenes it was shot um on set in I think London um but what was interesting is I wanted to uh, give a shout out um Simon Bowles is the um like production designer person I don't remember if that's like his title but he's the one who made the caves it's like the set designer whatever um and apparently he made um there were 21 cave sets that he made damn yeah like it was a very uh in-depth intricate cave network thing that they made because they said that they thought it would be too dangerous to film in a real cave I agree what did they do with those caves after well um they apparently were repurposing different cave bits like throughout the movie so like they were like moving things around and that same designer returned for the second one so I don't, so I, I think that some of the set pieces in the second one were the same as the first one. Um, so yeah, he did return to the second one. And um, I also thought it was funny that one of the inspirations for the design of the crawlers <laughs> was Gollum. That definitely checks out because they they did feel a little Gollum-y and like um, orcs from Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. Too. Um, that that makes sense for sure. The, they were so creepy in the first one. The second one felt a little silly, but the first one they creeped me the fuck out. Yeah, apparently Neil Marshall and the people who created the crawlers like really did think a lot about them. They intentionally wanted their skin to look as translucent as possible. Um, they talked about how it was important for him for there to be a variety of bodies because he wanted there to clearly be like male, female and child crawlers to show that it's like this full like community that lives down here. And I didn't notice this, but apparently the guy crawlers are bald and the lady crawlers have like thick brown hair didn't we and notice was, that because they had titties i definitely remember noticing the titties but i don't think <laughs> I, I don't i didn't remember that the, the ladies had hair um so that was yeah, also intentional that. um that yeah and so he also mentioned the inspiration he had for the kind of tension and the ending so some of his inspirations for the tension buildup in the movie are um the texas chainsaw massacre deliverance and the thing um i actually haven't seen deliverance so whatever mm. um <laughs> <laughs> yeah no. um i yeah and so i know a little bit about it but i haven't seen it and doesn't that movie take place in arkansas I don't remember. I've only watched it a couple times and it's so oh, I'm from Arkansas and whenever I see those lists of like movies that are made like or like were either made in your state or like are set in your state, I really think I saw Deliverance and I don't remember if they shot it in Arkansas or if the movie takes place in Arkansas, but I'm like, thanks y'all that this like rapey mountain banjo movie has to take place in my home state anyways. And he also mentioned it with the ending, how like she gets out, but like she's fucked up. Cause that's how in Texas chainsaw, right? Like she's a final girl, but she's unwell. So what were some of the scenes that scared you or 
disgusted you the most? Okay, honestly, as a collection, the scenes where you couldn't tell if, in the first one specifically, if the crawlers were actually moving or if you as the viewer were just getting creeped out. Because I think there was at least once or twice where there was in fact not a crawler. <laughs> but I was so just like, oh, like panicked watching it. Um, that really creeped me out as well as any time that they would show it through the lens of the little video camera they were carrying. That for some reason added the extra like POV layer for me and really scared the bejesus out of me. Um, yeah. I think the sounds in horror get me the older I get more than the visuals. And so when I would hear the clicking that like, uh, is it supposed to be like a bat sound, I guess? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're making the sound so that they can do, I think like echolocation. I hated that so very much. Um, yeah. one, of, one of the grossest scenes for me was when Sarah is pretending to be dead and she's laying on that rock and they step on her head. And of course she's already been just covered in the most disgusting of liquids but there's something about having to play completely dead and then having this critter <laughs> stepping on you and you're just <laughs> feeling the bottom of their feet and like on top of all the other stuff on top of you I think that was probably one of the grossest scenes because of course all the scenes where um and you have like the body horror stuff is gross but I think aside from that the scene where the crawler walks on top of her really icked me for sure what about you? I also hated that. Um, I I definitely get really scared in scenes where like you have to be perfectly still or quiet because I am so clumsy and loud. And so I'm just like, I would die. Um, so like scenes like that definitely have a lot of tension for me. Um, so the scene with the leg bone definitely really gets me when they have to like push it back in. No, you should yeah. probably just you should probably just take me out. Like I think that I'm done. Um, <clears throat> so that scene really got me. And then as far as like the gross factor, when Sarah, it, when she falls in that like blood liquid lake thing, what and, even is and it was chunky yes. and like, it was so gross. And she fell into it. And then whenever she has to get up really slowly and it's up to like her nose. And so like, ugh, you know, it's getting in her nose, getting in her mouth. Like if the crawlers don't kill you, some kind of fucked up infection is going to kill you. Like sure. you need to go to a hospital so fast. Yeah. 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 These liquids are getting in all your holes. Plus she has cuts like it. Uh, uh, no, disgusting. Yeah. Like, no, I need one of those like, um, wire brush baths with like the, the scary hose. <laughs> <laughs> like the seated yeah. fucking American horror story asylum where they throw Evan Peters in that awful shower. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you need to scrub my skin off. I am dirty. Yeah, there's, I mean, and then I guess in the second one, was, was she washed by then? Did they just fucking take her still in all? I don't know. Covered in that was, gunk? She wasn't in the hospital for very long. Yeah. So I don't know if they gave, if like one of the nurses gave her like a, like a little, like a, like a bedside little bath, you know, gave her a horse bath <laughs> or if she was able to take a shower. I have no idea. Disgusting. Um, 
yeah, that was, that was really gross. And then also just like the pain that it made me feel every time they had to crawl across the bones. Cause like that would hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Cause they're wearing like shorts, you know, I think, well, maybe some of them were wearing pants. I think some of them were wearing pants and some of them were wearing shorts, but like, it's not like you're wearing like super thick material. If you're, even if you're wearing pants and like, especially to be like on your hands and like to have to like crawl across these bones, owie, yeah. it made me comfortable. It reminded me of that one scene from, I don't remember which song movie it is, but with all the needles. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, and she's having to like crawl over them. Ew. Mm -hmm. the one where they push her into the needles because she has to get like the key or whatever yes it's saw two it's saw two because that she's the scary girl that's in on it remember so like she knew that was gonna happen to her it's been so long since i've watched those yeah yeah i marathoned them a few months ago because i'd only ever seen the first one I, i really liked the first one i just never watched any of the other ones i haven't finished that marathon yet i'm in the middle of so many marathons i just keep watching a couple movies and then months later i'm like oh i guess i should get back into that marathon anyways so yeah definitely lots of scenes of disgust and pain like i was saying earlier i just really liked getting to see all of these women like just really be badasses especially like the like the first one and i mean on the second one sarah and juno are killing the fuck out of these crawlers like you can tell yeah. juno i think juno had been in there for two days um by herself so i think that's what they said and like wow she had really mm-hmm. she's again like with sarah at the end of the first one like juno's not home like yeah there's no <laughs> one there yeah. And so, um, it's, it's definitely fun for me to see women have to like be in scenes where like, they're kind of, you know, like feral and they're just like beating the shit out of people. They also didn't, I didn't feel like tried to make them look like pretty or whatever. Like they actually looked yeah. injured and sweaty and dirty and gross. Um, so yeah, there, there were definitely, I, and I, I, I think that your note earlier about how, um, it seemed like their clothes got ripped off more in the second one. I think that's interesting. And it makes me wonder if like, maybe there was more care from the director of the first one in like how they were being filmed because he didn't want it to be like tropey or like inauthentic as opposed to the second one. I'm just, I guess I'm just wondering if that was like a directorial difference um, or what, or what, but yeah, I feel like the first one, um, is not only like a good movie, like it's a satisfying movie to watch, but I also think it's like a feminist horror movie I think it's like I think there's enough there, there's like enough interesting complex things going on yeah. and as far as like the way it subverts like how women are often portrayed in um those kinds of movies like I I, I do really love horror but like there are certainly, you know, tropes of the genre that are sometimes not great. And you know, one of those is how much, you know, women um are bought like women and afab bodies are like the site of violence but like not always like able to like fight back or like um survive (laughs) which is one of the things i don't like about the second one i really don't like the trope of having a sequel where the final girl dies it just kind of pisses me off um there's actually, I'll find what it, I'll find the video that I'm thinking of and I'll link it. But, um, there's 
a uh, TED talk that I had watched um, a while back. It's from like a couple years ago. Um, it was in response to the newest like um, installment of the uh, Halloween movies. I think it was after the first one came out of that like new trilogy. Um, and so it was called something of like what happens to the final girl after the movie ends or something like that. It had some title to that effect. And she talked about like all of the trauma that we, that like the, that that kind of trope sort of solidifies this woman in her experience of trauma, you know, like we don't get to see what happens after. And so she talked about how she likes, you know, in, in that first movie in the, in the trilogy of Halloween that we get to see what Jamie Lee Curtis's character is, or Laurie Strode, like what she's like, mm-hmm. um, later. And we get to see her kind of how she's having to deal with like the PTSD of what happened. Um, but anyways, the, the woman who made that Ted talk was just kind of talking about like the, the lack of space there is for like what happens after the final girl makes it out. Um, that was one of the things I hated about the newest Texas chainsaw movie. Um, was spoiler alert uh the final girl from the original texas chainsaw massacre that character is in it and they fucking kill her and i'm just like oh cool so you brought her back just to kill like it's, it's just frustrating it's just frustrating because like it it takes away from the satisfying nature of the final girl where even if you know we experience all of this violence like we do get to survive and so i think that it really doubles down on like the, the trauma that the final girl has to experience when she's brought back only to be the site of violence again. So I think that that was an annoying part of the second one is that we got to see more of the final girl and it was literally just to make everything worse. And then she died. And she died in such a weirdly dramatic way, in my opinion. Yeah. Her and Juno both had to like hard, like they both hardcore sacrifice themselves. I'm just like, damn. Yeah. Especially for Rios just to get fucking heated back down that tunnel at the end it's just like for what we did all this for what and it like and like you said it it felt different than like what the og ending of the first one was we're like yeah like sometimes horror movies have really bleak endings but they can still be good they can still be satisfying or interesting or like effective endings but like the second one it just kind of felt like annoying (laughs) especially because it interrupted a really interesting scene visually which was we were getting to see almost the same scene of the Mm -hmm. end of the first one where you know we saw Sarah running through the trees terrified running into trees screaming like and so we saw the same thing with with that character where she has escaped she's terrified but it's it's like a mix of you're happy you survived but like you're absolutely traumatized and you're finally getting a chance to like weep and scream and that kind of thing and so it's like we got the same scene at first of her like running through and trying to do that or whatever and so it's like and I guess this is part of maybe what they wanted where I was really zoomed in on that I was really focused I'm like wow this is so interesting boom she gets hit with the shovel Mm -hmm. and I was like oh what happened because I forgot that that happened I completely forgot about that that last scene and so it just took the wind out of my sails irritated and they never really referenced which again, I guess that's probably why we didn't see it coming. They never mentioned this old man really like throughout the movie. And then he just like pops up at the end. Yeah, we only got a brief scene with him in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like he's the one that told that weird story about like his grandpa or whatever that yeah. I guess was down in there. And then he's the one who like takes them to the mine. He says some ominous shit to them. I don't remember exactly what he said, but I thought he was just, you know how sometimes in horror movies there are those characters at like a gas station or something mm-hmm. like that. That's like, yeah, you shouldn't go that way. I thought that was just like what he was. And then, yeah, in the end, he's still there. And it's like, oh, just kidding. I yeah. feed monsters. <laughs> I 
guess now that you say that, isn't the gas station character in Texas Chainsaw Massacre in on it? Yes. Mm, well, I guess well, I probably you know should've. what? God damn it. Yeah, he did say <laughs> Texas Chainsaw was <laughs> Well. Well, look at that. It all came together, I guess. Out. Yeah. Um, okay. And yeah. And I, yeah, so maybe, maybe the director of the second one wanted to follow in that same, that same vein. and was like, well, speaking of Texas Chainsaw, <laughs> what if we plant this guy in the beginning? He's actually part of it. Interesting. But yeah, especially cause like we saw that picture of her daughter and she did that sad ass scene where she's like, Hey, if you find me and I'm like, well, she's not going to find this phone. It's going to be in the cave with your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, and I think everyone who knows where they are is dead. Because yeah. remember, like, because at first they're like, oh, we need to go in this cave. And then they're like, but that's not where we found her. And then they realize, mm-hmm. oh, she's in this cave that's unmarked um, or like kind of like unknown or whatever. And so it's like, OK, so the sheriff and his deputy were both there. The three cave experts were there. And I don't know who else Sarah has in her life, but I don't know if any of them had time to be notified of where she was. It mm-hmm. kind of seems like all of her emergency contacts are down in that cave. So yeah. it. Yeah, it's also just like, oh shit, like I don't even like no one's gonna know. No one's gonna know what happened. Ugh. Unless that old man says, like, oh, they went down there and never came out. That's I don't why know. you don't do these dumb activities like this. Find something else to do that's exciting. Yeah. Anything else. God. Anything. I just don't want to purposefully engage in an activity that could kill me. Yeah. Like and to me, there's just not a lot of payoff to me. Yeah. Like, it's just not, I don't, I don't care about the satisfaction of doing this thing. Like, oh, I'm going to go in this really challenging cave. Um, no, I don't need yeah. to almost drown or almost get trapped in a tight space. And like, also that seems like skinny people bullshit of like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go in this cave with these tiny little slits, if you will, that I have to try to squeeze through. Yeah. They're never going to ask my fat ass to go fucking spelunking ever. Good. And that's great. They're, I'm never going to be asked to be in a cult. I'm never going to be asked to go spelunking. You know, two yeah. for two being fat is a win-win in this situation. Seriously. No, thanks. I agreed. <laughs> what is your um, ranking system? But obviously we are going to have to. Personally, I know we talked about this before. We're going to have to rank these bad boys separate. This is not a... Uh, a package deal like the sisterhood yeah. <laughs> sisterhood is a unit this is not the sisterhood that we were speaking of earlier <laughs> this is a different sisterhood yes it is so we are going to rate the descent movies out of five ice axes <laughs> <laughs> the giant fucking axe that Sarah uses to plunge into Juno's leg and that Sarah and Juno both use to kill the fuck out of some crawlers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. I'll go first. Um, The first one for me is a five out of five. Um, I think it's so good. I think it does evoke a lot of fear and dread and tension. It's, it's a solid, scary movie for me that actually does make me feel scared. And like I said, I enjoy watching all of these women, um, use like technical knowledge that they have, um, get to see them in very active and sometimes very violent scenes, um, like violent as in them killing the shit out of the crawlers. Um, so yeah, it's a five out of five for me. I think it's really good. It's really fun. I think it has a lot of rewatchability and is really satisfying. And then the second one, 
I'm probably just going to give a two out of five. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, definitely the first one, five out of five, I would recommend it to people. I think it's a solid horror film. I think it's a good horror film, even if you are not a horror film person. Um, I really enjoy it. I think it holds up the second one. Yeah. I uh, was going between a 1.5 and a two because I think the reason why I'm leaning towards a two is because we watched it back to back. Like if you're going to watch it, knowing that it's not going to be good, then great. Go ahead. Then probably a two out of five. But if you're going into it <laughs> thinking it's going to be like the first one, I would probably give it a 1.5. Um, it does not have great rewatchability for me personally. I'm sure you and I might watch it at some point, but it would be like to cringe watch it or even just to put on in the background yeah. um, because it was for free or something like that. I don't, I don't see myself being like, you know, I want to watch the Sent to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Personally. Um, yeah. So batching scores for this episode. That's fun. This double feature. Do we have matching scores? Of course, we have matching scores for the sisterhood for the traveling pants. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we both picked five out of five. I think there have been only a couple movies so far that we gave like the exact same score because I think there was something else. I think um, we both serendipity. Gave... <laughs> we had different scores for serendipity. We sure did. I think nope. We both gave five out of five. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think we've had a couple that have been the same. Um. But yeah, yeah five and two for sure. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that, uh, sister of the traveling pants movies are so good to watch back to back. So fun. And then they, like you said earlier, they also do stand really well on their own. Um, but yeah, the descent to, it's just parts of it, parts of it were pretty good. Like parts of it were fun. Um, especially this, like the scenes where they're killing the crawlers are the ones that I really enjoyed. And then there were other scenes where I was just like bored. And every time that sheriff guy was talking, I was like, Oh my God, someone kill him. Someone yeah. like, who's going to know, like, just push him off a little cliff. Like I did love whenever they were like chopping his hand off. That was pretty uh-huh. intense. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that was definitely funny. But yeah, I was I I felt like he was almost being portrayed as like comically awful. Yeah. Where I was just like, okay, that's enough. Like we get it. This man is relentless. He is convinced Sarah is a killer and he doesn't care what happens he's gonna find these like mm-hmm. but like it also ugh, it just felt like it was a little too much and he really irritated me yeah that's how I felt about the whole movie it was a little too much I don't yeah. I don't think it was necessary yeah yeah looks like we we agree with Neil, Neil Marshall there it was an unnecessary <laughs> sequel and he's probably just like I'm so annoyed this is on my IMBD yeah what uh what's on our agenda for this next one now that we finished our first I'm gonna say first double feature because I'm sure this won't be our last one but yeah I'm sure I'm sure that we'll do it again um okay so for next week um we are going to cover (laughs) one of my favorite sci-fi movies and one of my least favorite well, just movies in general that I've ever seen. Um, it is uh, Signs, um, iconic alien movie, and really terrible, tropey, cringy, yeah, what women want. Classic. It's a classic. 
<laughs> yeah, there are definitely some scenes that I remember so vividly of what women want because I did watch it as a kid. Um, and uh, yeah, the through line in this ep- in this episode is Mel Gibson being a shitty dad. Um, obviously, we know that Mel Gibson is an absolute piece of shit. Um, and so, anyways, uh, but both of <laughs> the both of these movies, he's in it. And so, um, yeah, we're gonna be looking at uh, two very different. <laughs> Mel Gibson roles um but both of them are very over the top so um yeah that next week we will be diving into Mel Gibson being a shitty dad territory and uh yeah that was episode five of Some Like It's Scary and we'll see you next week bye